Hello everyone and welcome to the Power of Music Thinking. My name is Christoph Zürn and this is the podcast for people with a musical heart and a wicked job. We're looking for stories, insights and tools from the big world of music to inspire leaders and followers to listen, tune, play and perform in whatever field you're operating. My guest today is Richard Achterichte, Customer Director of Sales and Electronic Musician. Richard works for the IT engineering company Schuberg Phyllis, which focuses on mission-critical processes. And Richard is a composer and performer of electronic music and gets together with some friends for a bi-monthly improvisation session on modular synthesizers. Richard shares insights about his company that builds solutions for business problems. For example, with a collaborative approach they call System in the Room. And they are pretty successful in what they are doing. They now got the Giarte XLA award for the 16th time. And he shares with us a workshop lab setting where he uses modular synthesizers to let people collaborate better and be more creative. And precisely that way of thinking, giving output and receiving input in a connected system of elements, is the essence of the music thinking framework, with all the cues connected. So, if you're at home or in the office while you hear this, you might want to download the framework first and then listen to this episode. It really will help you to get everything together. But if you listen to it while you're driving a car, or walking in nature, relax and enjoy the conversation with many live sounds from a modular synthesizer that Richard brought to our conversation. Okay, let's dive into this. Welcome, Richard. Welcome to the Power of Music Thinking. Thank you very much. Richard, it's great to have you in the show today. And um, let's let's start with um, with my favorite question. What was the first sonic experience or album or live performance that had an impact on you? That was when a friend of mine took me when I was 14 years old to see Metallica live in the, uh, the football stadium in Rotterdam. That made a huge impression on me. So my, my friend and I we were there with his, uh, with his cousin who had a car. She was, I think, 18 Back then, we were 14 and 12, and she was allowed to take oh. us. And there was just the roaring guitars out of a big PA made a huge impression. So, uh, yeah, that summer I started saving to buy myself an electric guitar. Aha, all right. So you started with the guitar. Yeah. And still. It's still the first love, but it's still, it's still with me. All right. And how was it, Metallica? When, when was it? Uh, 1993. 93. Okay. And any songs you still remember and the atmosphere, what, 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 what had the, the biggest impact on you? Well, I was a very young boy back then because I was um, 14. And, and I clearly remember they played the Black Album because it was that too, which is obviously one of the greatest rock albums ever made. So they played those songs and they played also the old songs from Ride the Lightning mm -hmm. and Kill Them All that, that I 
love still to this day. And the people that were very friendly, because I was just this short, 14-year-old kid with short hair. And they were like, okay, you go stand here, you go sit here. So I had great view, people that are friendly. So that really stuck with me. Like, whoa, this is a, this is a cool community to be in. And I was obviously impressed by a stadium full of people chanting along with the songs that I would used to sing in my bedroom. Wow. Great. So 14 years. Wow. Cool. Oh, well, maybe that's um, I also was 12 or 14 when I had my first concert. I just realized. So that's it's, um, it, it's, it seems a good, good age to start with music. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Richard, tell us a little bit more about you. Who are you? What do you do for a living? And then we dive into um, yeah, all the things we discussed in the power of music thinking. Yeah, thanks. So yeah, I'm Richard uh, Achtereikten which is always a complicated name for foreign people to pronounce. Uh, I live in Deventer, lovely old uh, yeah, medieval city, I would say. Um, I'm a customer director sales with Schubert Phyllis. We are a, uh, an IT engineering company and we do mission critical IT. So that means that the systems that we build and manage are very important to our, uh, to our customers. Um, I, I lead engagements with customers. I try to figure out how to solve their uh, problem. So what is their problem? What is their challenge? And how can technology help to, uh, to solve that? So uh, I, I do conversations and puzzles. Uh, and I work with, uh, with great colleagues. I joined a company uh, just over a year ago. And that's lovely. And before that, I was in charge of uh, software development and data with uh, Ronstadt, a big, a big Dutch company in yeah. uh, multiple countries. And now Schubertville is, is uh, we have two branches in 400 people. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Do you work national or international? Yeah, we do both. So we have an office in Schiphol-Rijk, which is basically Amsterdam to foreign people, uh, and uh, Rotterdam. But we have um, operations also for the US and other parts of the world. But our customers mainly come from the relations that we have in the Netherlands. But we do serve overseas as well. All right. And... Can you tell us a little bit more what exactly you're doing? Because it, IT, it sounds very broad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so what, we, what, what we work on is what we call mission-critical IT. And those are the, the systems, the computer systems that are most important to a company. So mm -hmm. the basic rule that we have is if that computer system fails, the CEO of that particular company wants a call in the middle of the night to get an update. So that's the level of importance oh, wow. of the stuff that we work on. So to name some customers, because that's usually yeah, really gives, gives an idea. So we work for the Postnl, the National Post Services, to make sure that everything for them is uh, up and running. We work for Jumbo, which is uh, the second largest uh, supermarket that we have in, in, in the country. Mm -hmm. But also for Annexis, they provide the energy grids. Yeah. So it's, it's very much tied to, to Dutch society and improving the way we live here and how we develop as a, as a country. And I think that is really um, cool, cool stuff to work on. And, um, yeah, have amazing colleagues with amazing knowledge about engineering. So there's so many things happening right now with, with cloud software data, with artificial intelligence that can just solve like important problems in, uh, in the world. And we have quite a few. Yeah. So we do work on those things. Uh -huh. Wow, it's, that sounds um, very interesting. And I can imagine that this is something, when it works, you don't talk about it. <laughs> And when it doesn't work, you get all the attention. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we we literally go out of our way, do twenty four seven uh, guarding on those on those systems. It's really important to us. 
and we have customer teams. So with us, you're not a software developer. No, you're a software developer for a particular customer, for a particular part of their uh, of their operations. Yeah. So the engineers that we have have a lot of knowledge about what the company does. So if you go to, uh, for instance, someone who works for an Axis, they, they know exactly how the energy, energy grid functions in Holland, how um, everything is tied together. And it's really, it's it's we don't sell a product, we build solutions for business problems. So a big part of my work is also figuring out what are the exact constraints and details and what is the exact situation with a customer. Mm -hmm. Because we don't sell products. So this is the, you know, the, gold, the silver bullet solution. We don't have that. And it's great. It's a lot of puzzling with multiple disciplines. We call it system in the room. Mm -hmm. So we get everyone involved in that particular process, literally in a room and just put it up on a wall. Like what is exactly happening here? Why is stuff failing? Why is stuff complicated? What are the silos that we have to break down? What are the barriers of culture that we have to break through? So a lot of my work is also not about talking tech, but very much about talking collaboration. Ah, all right. That's interesting. And you get recognized last Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I believe, the 16th time in the row that we were awarded the uh, number one spot in the, uh, the XLA research of uh, Giata Research which is a big honor and also a big achievement. Yeah. yeah, Humbling still. 16 times in a row. I believe so, yeah. Oh, unbelievable. So this makes you one of a kind. So where's the competition? Uh, there is, of course, competition. So to become the best is difficult. To stay the best is even more difficult, I believe. Um, so we invest a lot in improving ourselves and we have a, an amazing feedback culture. So if stuff happens, you know, interactions, improvements on the technical or personal level or team level or management level that, um, yeah, I think the culture of the company is what sets it apart from other companies mm. and the desire for, you know, we have this structure, it's, it's a team mm -hmm. that works for a customer and they're very dedicated and, you know, they have 24 seven duty to, to make sure that everything run, runs smoothly. So they analyze the initial problem, design the solution, then build it, and then run it. So there's no handover. And if you make a design that's like, well, we're cutting corners, we're cutting costs, it will be your problem in the end. Mm -hmm. So that's also a very important part of you know, delivering on your own promise. Mm -hmm. Because you got to manage it. You'll be in charge when this is up and running. A mission critical part of your um, customer's business. So all these things together sort of um, yeah, become a framework on how, uh, for, for maximum performance. Um, and that is, I believe, that uh, that's valued by customers and reflected in this, uh, yeah, this award. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks a lot. Sounds good. So um, why are you here? Um, I can tell. Yeah, uh, people, can't, <laughs> people can't see this thing that's here, but we can. <laughs> right. So I was triggered when I saw on LinkedIn a post from you where you, in a workshop, as I've seen it as a team workshop, but you can exp explain what it is, that you were using to help people to better co-create and work together, a synthesizer. 
And so I thought, hmm, that's exactly <laughs> what I need because as you might know, or as, as people might know, in my book, The Power of Music Thinking, there's one page where I say a leader should learn an instrument. And actually, it really doesn't matter what kind of instrument. If it's a, a, a harmonica, a harp, a guitar, a violin, or a double bass, it really doesn't matter. But I do three suggestions. And if you listen to the last episodes, um, we have one about the shakuhachi, one about the ukulele. And I also talked about, let's say, little electronic instruments or instruments that are connected or modular and i thought wow you would be the best uh, <laughs> the best one to talk about it because if you use this in a business setting music yeah you're a practitioner of the power of music thinking so Richard, can you can you walk us through what did you do and also what do you do besides being uh, uh, responsible for customers in your IT uh, department. So what do you do and how do you do it? <laughs> Thanks. Um, so the photo you saw was um, an afternoon that we had in what we call labs. We have labs um, and that's the environment where we experiment with new technology to make it applicable. So it's not some geeky thing that we experiment. It's our design room where we prototype stuff, where we analyze stuff. Um, every so often we, we do a sort of market where we present the projects that people are working on that are really pushing the boundaries, uh, of technology and application with customers. Um, and, uh, people know that I'm involved in, um, modular synthesizers. And we're going to talk about that at length because it's what I like to do, play them and also talk about them with friends. Uh, so I was asked like, Hey, could, could you bring your machine? Because, um, labs is an environment where creativity is really important. It's a place that has uncomfortable furniture. So people move around the room. It is physical. It is very tactile. We have, um, 3d, uh, facilities. We have a programmable dog, the, uh, the Boston, uh, the Boston dynamics dog. We have a. Uh, Lego series play installment um, with gamma for data analysis. We have a lot of, there's, there's a soldering table where you can solder together parts. So we have a lot of stuff there that we can use in real time. And, and that's exactly what my hobby looks like. Um, people can't see it, but I'm in front of my modular synthesizer. That's look, that looks like um, a suitcase, I would say, with a lot of switches, uh, knobs, buttons, and a bunch of cables hanging out. Um, and I started working with this in 2015 uh, when I went to a studio friend of mine and he said, yeah, I just I bought this. And I saw it and I was like, wow, that's so cool. Um, because I was working with, uh, with a beautiful 27-inch Mac and a lot of uh, digital instruments. But when you work as an IT, you're behind a computer screen and for the better part of the day. Sometimes you want to do something else. And this is extremely tactile. And this is a very responsive instrument with a lot of probability uh, and randomness and chaos devices in it. So it is also trying to tame a beast that wants to tame you, which I think is uh, is challenging. And I believe I have a bit of an engineering mind anyway. So cool. I like it. So I think we should hear a little bit about it. How does it sound? Because now we created the picture in the mind of the listener. And now let's give us a little bit in, uh, 
uh, an explanation, some some sounds. And I will do. Uh, I will put a picture on the on the podcast side on the side of the episode so that people see how we sit together here. That's a good one. Well, uh, let's open up the beast and see uh, what his uh, temperature and temperament is today. sound world is coming up. Rickard, what are you doing? Can you explain us a little bit? And because now I can imagine that people think, oh, that sounds like something that they might have heard before, the kind of sound. And can you explain how does it work? What are you doing? It's not a, it's not a guitar, it's not an, um, a piano or a keyboard. Yeah, so the instrument basically has audio and what we call CV control flowing through the system. And CV is uh, control voltage. And uh, that means that the, um, I'm gonna put the volume down a bit. Yes, because <laughs> drowning out my voice, I can't really hear myself. Yeah, cheers. So, um, I'll make it a bit, okay, like this, okay. Yeah, so the, um, The sound that you hear is, is, is generated by um, oscillators that are really rudimentary small parts of you know, what music is. It goes down to the, to the bare elements of electronic music. And then you shape that sound uh, with filters and with envelopes. So what I do is that I create a patch. I, I made one before we started the podcast because otherwise it would be here really a long time because this is absolutely kind of a slow process kind of hobby, which is great for long autumn evenings that we're heading for. So I take that original sound, you filter it, you shape it, and you change the pitch of something, and you change the duration of something and you tune it low so it becomes a kick drum, or you tune it high so that it can be used in a high-pitched melody. Maybe we should help the listener that it's a modular synthesizer. Yeah. And this means every single, I will call it entity, and you please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think that's um, a good word. Every entity is doing something, and the oscillator is giving a signal. It could be a tone, it could be anything. And this gives an input to another module, and that module 
receives that input and does something with it, with it. I think that's the basic idea of modular synthesis. Yeah, it is uh, a collection of modules that I selected according to my taste. I like digital, screechy, screaming kind of things, which is uh, in here. I could just play a little bit for you right now. Let me just tune that up. So now I'm feeding the signal, so it goes screaming. So we have the same tones, we have the same height of tones, but the sound, the timbre is changing. Yes. And that's because it is a... It is either a collection of modules that shapes that tone, or in this case it's a digital module that has those tone shaping facilities on board. And you can feed it external signals so mm. that it keeps changing the sound. So now I'm going to pick up a cable and do that. <laughs> and funny enough, um, you also do this in, in live settings. And by the way, um, it's, it's more improvised, right? Yeah, so what, what, what bit of history there. So this, this, this hobby or passion is... is riddled with Instagram heroes that make a 30-second video with a flower and uh, a 30-second piece of music can be very nice but I come from a live music background playing guitar in bands being on stage doing shows so we thought well you know it would be nice if we could bring this instrument to the stage because mm. I had a couple of friends across the country and in Germany that were like we should really do a live thing it would be very nice to have this live so we came up with a framework so it will be two people mm -hmm. it will be 10 minutes long and it will be a random tempo mm. that can be slow 60 bpm or fast 160 bpm and everything in between and the randomness how do you, how does you get this well we invite like uh, usually around uh, six to eight people to an event we put their names in a hat and we draw duo names from that so mm. thanks for being here thanks for being here you guys are now going to do an improv for 10 minutes here's another hat and grab another note from that hat that has the tempo mm. i'll set the tempo and the tempo get, is a bpm number it's a bpm number between <laughs> 60 and 160 uh so um, and 60 is very slow like yeah yeah something like this and 160 <laughs> is like pretty upbeat techno kind of tempo but you can divide that and make it slow whatever you feel like so it it, it gives like an environment where people can experiment but i'm very proud of is that it also um, invited people over. We had guys that never had been on stage and decided to uh, to come to us and say, well, I feel I can you know, rest on the shoulders of uh, someone mm -hmm. who's more experienced, so uh, I'm willing to join. And that's, that's great fun. So we have seasoned virtuosos that sometimes bring their keys synthesizers as well, and guys that, you know, are learning uh, to play their instrument while they're on stage. And I think that's, uh, that's a great way uh, to do it. Wow. Sounds, yeah. sounds, really sounds nice. And what's interesting, because normally we'd say the sound is like electronic, electronic dance music or elec 
electronic whatever or ambient so different styles and you you also shift that position from being in the studio and behind the knobs and the sliders also to the improvisation where you're have to first have to listen and to see and to hear what your counter part or yeah your complementary part i have to say because it's a duo um how do you do this together and um you give everyone the same let's say start start material uh, like the the beat and that's it and then you have to listen and to yeah to decide on the on the spot how this goes together and that's that sounds very much like um, a co-creation session in a company isn't it Absolutely. if you do it right yeah, so the, so the base thing is that this instrument is highly personal. I, I went over countless YouTube videos and sound demos and reviews to, to find each module. And there are about, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, there's like maybe 26 of them here. So this is, this is my idea of a good synthesizer. And then yeah. comes in the other guy with the same box, with a totally different ensemble of modules, because yeah. that's what he likes. Yeah. And when we start playing together, you, that part of the personality comes out instantaneously because of the choice of modules and how he or she is, is using that. And, and I think that's where the fun is, because you need to listen, like, what is, what is he or she doing? Some people, mm -hmm. want, they just, from the beat, for beat number one, they take all the spectrum because like, they bring that noisy stuff like, okay, where do I fit in here? So you have to be creative there. And sometimes people leave plenty of room or challenge you to fill certain parts. And I think that is, that is the best part in, in performing because it's nice. communicating without words. Absolutely. I like very much also the, the aspect of creating your own instrument. And that's something in, you know, you, you won't hear or, or uh, hear this in uh, classical music, for example. But in modern electronic music, you hear this often, so that people really have their special setup, how it sounds. And by the way, that's also not only very modern, it's also like if you're a didgeridoo player in Australia, you would go to one of the eucalyptus trees and you would find the right instrument, you would shape it in the way how this would work for you. And I love this analogy from, from the music world and let's say from the different musics world because there are different styles and different cultures. And I love this very much when we work together. In what sense are we creating our own instruments, our own materials to co-create? Or do we always take something from the shelf, like let's say a piano or a keyboard that's already has all the sounds and we play with it? And the good thing is there's no good or bad, but it's an extra aspect to for individuality and to come really with new, um, yeah, with unheard things that you, yeah, that you did not have uh, known uh, before. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's also why we go even one step further and do soldering workshops. Wow. So... Um, How would this work? It's very simple. You, you make like a really good pot of coffee. That's an important <laughs> start. You get a good bag of sandwiches. And uh, most of us are in the vegan vegetarian area, so uh, we have our uh, preferences. Yes, please. Uh, you put tables down and you each order a kit. And that is um, ah. a collection of really the, the, the parts that make up a module. 
So there are capacitors, resistors, switches, knobs, inputs, uh, wires. And we have a couple of stores in Europe that, or makers, I should say, that provide these kits for us. And then we sit down, bring out the soldering iron, drink that coffee, and then for a day sometimes, or sometimes half a day, you make a part of your synthesizer. The last thing I made was a joystick that I can use to mix and mangle audio and or CV. Wow. Which is, which is great, and it's, it's a good day out. And it brings you really close to the instrument, makes you value the instrument. And also, um, it's again a slow process. So uh, I like the fact that this is, um, uh, software is very instantaneous. I work in the software world, so yeah. uh, you know, changing stuff, changing code can be very rapid. But you know, soldering, making mistakes in the hardware world is something different. Uh, so I have a, a graveyard <laughs> drawer in my house where some <laughs> stuff that didn't end up too well, uh, yeah, now uh, rests. Uh, so that is also great. And uh, yeah, we do that with a group a couple of times a year. So I went really from purchasing software online, you know, with your credit card to getting a tangible instrument that reminds me of my guitar playing days to making the modules that together make up that instrument. And I think that, that is, that's a great, yeah, it's a great way to look at um, music and music making. In, in the business world, just to keep that analogy, would this be open source or? Oh yeah, there, there's, there is definitely a lot of open source here. So there's the hardware part that's open source and, and there's also code that goes onto the hardware, uh, mm -hmm. uh, different firmwares. Yeah, that is absolutely a part of, but it's also community work. Mm, okay. Um, it's also going online. Okay, I'm stuck here. This doesn't work. Who can help me out? This is my code. I keep, it keeps failing here. Please help. So in, in the business world, it's also important to, to break down those barriers, you know, to have a, a place where you can go to, the hive mind, where people come to, to solve your problem, yeah. to and help it, you out. And I like it because it's highly personal, and, and that's what we sometimes miss in, in organizations, that, we, that it looks like that the department or the silo or anything else, what you, how you want to call it, is more important than the, than the individual. And, it's, and here it seems to be we could learn from, 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 from that world, from the music world, so that a highly personal input or approach could help to make a great collaboration and that you learn from each other instead of that you just yeah, get the rules how you should operate. Yes, and I think tactility helps a lot, bringing people together, play. Yeah. It reminds you of the good times when you were young. It activates parts yes. of your brain that are sometimes dormant when you're behind a computer. Well, that's nice, though. The play is not only in the music, but the play is also in creating the instrument to make the music. Exactly, exactly. And uh -huh. um, um, squeezing out the maximum of what technology can do. It's always easier to grab something new or to up the stack, but also what, how can we improve the performance of current systems? How can we tie in the old world with the new world? How can we make that work? Those are also important challenges for many customers that we, that we work with. Mm -hmm. And very often it's not about the old computer system. It's about the way it's managed, about how those people are 
approached or considered. Now, those mm. are the old guys. They mm. only want to talk about the old guys. And when you start talking to the old guys, they're sometimes they're stuck and they know they're stuck and they know about all the new stuff, but we need to get there. So I need someone not to show me what it can be. I need them to show me how to get there because I know what it can be. Mm. So that is also uh, what a lot of our customers struggle with, that they have what they call legacy applications, legacy systems. How do you, how do you get away from that? And that is usually very much about collaborating, getting the system into a room, getting the experts in, in the lead, hearing them out, seeing what can be done, what the limits are. And it's great fun. And we have the lab to also do that, to facilitate that. We have an actual physical space and people that are brilliant at leading such sessions. Mm. I, I, I love the, the analogy. So because it's so close to, let's say also my framework. And when you see everything is modular and, uh, you know, if you allow the analogy, um, it's like in a company, some people are connected together, there's an impulse, they bring it through a filter or they add something to it. And the last filter, management, <laughs> <laughs> is doing something with it that it sounds all the same. So the question would be, how could we in a playful way see that, the, that we, well, with all the respect, take the module of the management and let's play with another kind of module and to hear and see what else comes out of it? Yeah, that's a good, the good analogy. I, th I think the, um, uh, one of the, I'm still uh, working with the machine here. People yeah, don't see yeah, it, but yeah, it's nice. so tempting not to touch it. Yeah. Um, management should be in the mix if they're blocking stuff, but there should also be room for people to say, well, we did this because you approved that budget. That's what caused the problem. I heard someone do that. But why didn't you say that a year ago? Mm. Because I felt little room for my opinion. Okay. There's absolutely a barrier there. So, Richard, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to, to, to bring the analogy a little bit uh, more together. Should management be an oscillator? <laughs> so the one who's giving the signals or the last filter before you bring it to the market? Or is this a stupid question? We have a belief that we should put the experts in the lead in Schubert Phyllis. And in my company, we have experts in various fields, but our mission critical engineers should have all the room for their expertise. And we see with customers that that gets lost in translation. So there's an enterprise architect who talks to a domain architect, who talks to a an application architect who talks to a lead engineer who then talks to an engineer and there's so much that just get lots and lost in translation and we say no you plan it you build it because you have to run it mm. and that's a total different approach there's the trickle down management hierarchy thing and then there's our approach which sounds really simple now that i present it to you but it also uh takes a lot of courage uh, to put your ego aside as a manager. And maybe you've been a great software developer, but now you're managing budgets. You know, what happened? I talked to those people as well. Yeah, it was up or out, so I went up. Like, are you happy? No, no, but I, I do make more money now. So. Oh. so there's the, having the experts in the lead, that's, that's an important rule with us. 
And sometimes it means for guys like me to shut up for half an hour and just listen. Yeah. And sometimes I say, I don't know right now, I have to figure some stuff out. Okay, take your time. Because experts can't be forced because they want to know things certain. Mm-hmm. And I love that too. They want to look up stuff or go to the hive mind or check the Git repo, how it actually looks like. Yeah, wow. So th- that's a little bit, let's say, the listen, tune, play and perform thing. So we listen all the time. Yeah. And, and sometimes we also talk and listen, which as a musician, you know, that's, that's hard. You can't play and listen or talk and listen. So sometimes you have to shut up and tune and tune in and tune together. And there, there's a, always a playfulness that you bring things together. And then the question is, will you when will you perform in front of people and in the improvisation the improvisers always pr- performing so there's always that loop that always the, the the stage effect and there's no there's no rehearsal with an Im- improvisation so that's and that and that doesn't matter what kind of instrument you're using so that's the the, the, the nice nice thing for sure so um If you if you would download the via via the website the music thinking framework you see the different cues like empathy personality score jamming uh, agility and remix and actually what we just talked is literally that what I mean and every cue has an input and an output they sometimes call it leading and following <laughs> so leading you're given an, an output to someone. And when you, someone else or the other queue receives that output, it's an input for you and you change it. And so every queue has two sides, like in the modular <laughs> synthesizer. It's such an open, it's not even a metaphor for me. It's really an analogy to, to dive in an organization. And every queue needs different instruments to, to, to use. So, wow. Thank you very much, Richard. So this is this is just a great match. Is there anything that we did not touch and that you would like to share? Or shall we listen a little bit more, a few minutes? No, what I think is brilliant about your approach is that it opened my eyes that I am a music thinker, but never, never thought of myself as being one because it comes natural. Uh, The good part is if if you have to study the guitar, you don't have time to do bad things when you're young. So I wasn't no, scavenging the neighborhood. I was just in my bedroom playing the guitar. So that kind of helps. But it also made me start a band, connect to people, be a frontman because I wanted the music to be out. Um, and and, and that, is, that is great. I think music uh, teaches you a lot. Um, And you've caught that in a framework, which I think is amazing. So that is a job well done. Thank <laughs> you. Stuff. Thank you for that one. <laughs> yeah, thank, yeah, thank you very much. So the, and, and it was so obvious. And I'm really glad that we... And um, yeah, I, I would like to invite people to, to look up what you're doing. And also, if you're in the Netherlands, um, every two months you're doing in Deventer. Um, um, you call it Square Wave afternoon or you please um, explain what it is yeah so square wave is the the improv session that we do with uh with guests 
it's in the club on the top floor. It's a great place. It has a bar, so it's a very uh, live performance environment. It's in David in the center. It's a lovely, lovely old city. So people are also invited to hook up with me if they want to perform because we're open. It's uh, Voltmeister presents Squarewave, and we have uh, we always have room for people to to join in with their modular synthesizers, being Eurorack, Bukla, Moog, whatever you want to bring. It's there, and the word Squarewave uh, is because it's uh, at a square, but it's also the clock pulse that you get that sends you the tempo is a square wave. Uh-huh. So little bit of explanation there as well nice perfect <laughs> so and if people would like to to hook up with you also business-wise um, what's the best way to reach you LinkedIn I believe that's a leading platform nowadays so uh, please uh, please go there all right so thank you very much so if you've listened to this episode and you're triggered by business uh, how you would organize your business or your IT or you're interested in building your own instrument and like to know more about modular thinking in business and music so um, yeah you can reach uh, so thank you very much and yeah see you the other day thank you very much thank you so much for listening i really appreciate this because listening is one of the top leadership skills and i feel honored about this It is my mission to find, create and share inspirations for meaningful collaboration based on music analogies. If you want to support this, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating or write a review on iTunes or Spotify. And more inspirations can be found on musicthinking.com. We have a blog and you can download the Music Thinking Framework. And finally, I would love to hear your feedback. And if you need help with a business challenge, please reach out to me via email podcast at musicthinking.com.